0: With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Vermont Waters,
1: Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Javante. Williams III, Jimmy Ogillay, right, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Dennis, Dennis Tice. Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart,
2: Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker from the University of
0: and we are back with another episode of from the rafters sam and i are back this time with guest kj doyle from guy boston sports how you doing today kj awesome thank you guys for having me Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So we like to start off with an opening question every time we record the show. Uh this time the question kind of ties into what we're gonna talk about. Uh but KJ, obviously after the Celtics, unfortunately lost to the heat. Uh there have been some couch GMs running rampant over Twitter. So what's the dumbest thing you've seen on
2: Twitter over the past few days? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's been a few. Um, I've seen a lot of things. I don't know if you guys are referring to to one of my tweets for the last few days, but I, I ranked, I did a top five ranking of the stupidest trades I saw, mm-hmm. and uh, the stupidest idea I saw was sign and trade for Andre Drummond, which is something we've had to deal with for a while. The Andre Drummond trades have been, uh, you know, all over the place. A fan favorites. it has been a popular name in Celtics trade rumors. Get a center who can't shoot and just rebounds all the time, which is great if um, you're looking to win the box score but uh, unfortunately that's not how basketball works and uh, as you've seen uh, Jason Tatum can be a great rebounder when he wants to be. Tice can be uh, somewhat effective on the glass. I think that they would benefit a lot from somebody like Robert Williams stepping up and being a better presence maybe transforming into a DeAndre Jordan type which I've compared him to in the past. If you look at their year two stats very similar those two so um, I, 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 overall though, I do not think the answer is Andre Goman. there's been a few dumb ones though, I think my list was uh, five, Marcus Smart just to shake things up, that's a popular one you've seen, let's just shake things up and trade the first team all defender for whatever like, oh, yeah. that's, that's a good one, and the captain of course, yeah, yeah, and then Kemba Walker for Chris Paul, which oh, yeah. we can debate, but I'm not taking the 34-year-old Chris Paul that's more expensive. I'm sorry. I know that might be a debate, but you know Kemba A. Walker is an all-star. People didn't realize Chris Paul was barely an all-star this year. He just did make it. But um, And then, the, of course, the Jalen Brown for absolutely anything yes. and Gordon Hayward for nothing. I think that was pretty much what rounded up my list. Uh, yes. I, I was telling Sam about
0: this on our last show. I uh, Ended up fighting with a guy on Twitter. I guess having a conversation wasn't really a fight, but he suggested we trade Jalen Brown for R.J. Barrett in the first. So I thought that was that was pretty fun and entertaining. <laughs> but I, I got nothing for those people.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah I don't know what the idea would be then? Reunite, reunite the Dookies? Yeah. Uh, R.J. Barrett, who, of course,
0: didn't play together, but, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that I need another new basketball player. Yeah, no, man. I, I got nothing about that one. I just kind of ended up saying, well, agree to disagree, bro. I don't I don't know what else to say to you at this point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean. It's not even
1: like R.J. Barrett was really amazing no. this season either. Not that they got to play a whole lot because of COVID, but.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah. You know. It's just, everybody likes to panic after the Celtics lose in any scenario. They're just like, okay, we need to trade this player, this player, and this player. And like you said, KJ, just to shake things up, you know? Just to to change something for the sake of changing something, I feel like. But whatever, we'll get through it. The Catch GMs will eventually start watching the Patriots again, and we'll get away from them trying to change the Celtics. But uh, Twitter, like we've been saying, is a completely fucking wild place. Uh, and one of the w- more wild things I've seen is all this stuff about Gordon Hayward I've seen someone attack him for wanting to go home to see his kid like after they lost they're like of course he wants to see his kid because they fucking lost and he averaged five points I'm like dude he like he had a child what are you what are you talking
2: about we- you wanna see your family? Yeah, nerd? Yeah. What do you wanna do? Go home and, and, and hold your child for the first time? Oh look at this guy. Look at dude. this guy. He wants to he wants to see his baby we hasn't met yet because he played. Absolutely
0: basketball. not He's worth the max. People, oh fuck, dude. It's like on the comment of him like holding his son too. Like there's comments under the picture. I'm like, Are you guys fucking okay? Like what is wrong with you? Like I I don't get what goes through their heads when they comment this. It's like Like, I said this to Sam, it's not like basketball's his entire life. People who work at McDonald's don't fucking sleep next to the deep fryer. Like, they have other shit to do, just like these guys. So, it's it's crazy that this stuff goes through their head. What have your thoughts been on all the Hayward slander and the trade rumors and all that shit, KJ?
2: Yeah, I I mean, my Twitter has just been blowing up the the past few days. I've had quite a few viral tweets, uh, at least as far as Celtics Twitter is concerned. Uh, maybe not, the, you know, I, I'm not having the uh, weird, like, one-liners that just everybody, that's so relatable that everybody gets, like, 100,000 likes on, but I'm having so, what we call Celtics Twitter viral, which is, like, 3,000 likes <laughs> everybody that knows what actually I'm talking about. Most, most people on Twitter don't, probably, but, um yeah, Gordon Hayward was one of the biggest. Uh, I just said, basically, you know, I posted something on Guy Boston Sports, social media manager, uh, for them, and I posted... Basically, that Gordon Hayward uh, was—he was deciding to opt in. There were reports out there he was deciding to, to opt into his contract according to Tim Bond, so he planned to at least. And people were like, "No, oh man, Gordon, no, don't opt in." And it's like, first of all, you should have known this was happening. Like he wasn't going to opt out of all that money. And second of all, people are just—it's re- just recency bias. They're reacting to what they just saw. And on the one hand, what you just saw was really bad. On the other hand, what you just saw was a guy decide. I'm not going to go home and be with my pregnant wife cuz I know those people would be like, "Well, you know." And but the sentiment I've seen a lot, which I'm going to get I'll get to in a second actually. But if it was all these people saying no and whatever and I said, "You know, this guy just for forgot for gone his child's birth, his first son's birth so he could play basketball for your favorite team and he played through like nerve damage in his foot or in his ankle or whatever to to play basketball for your team. And you're being so disrespectful to him. It's disgusting. And I know some person said, nobody's ever going to take you, take you seriously if you're being this much of a green teamer. And I'm like, I'm not really being a green teamer. I'm just being a compassionate, good human being, like supporting somebody (laughs) who's been through some hardship here. Like that doesn't, that makes me a green teamer I think it just makes me a good person. But uh, anyway, I posted that. And then we had, we got some responses like, isaiah thomas played through you know his sisters and i'm like if you're gonna use yeah everybody loves him if you're gonna use isaiah thomas's situation to justify you ragging on gordon hayward that is one of the worst you have to be one of the worst human beings i've seen in my life first of all you should not mention that when you don't have to you don't and i'm sure isaiah thomas would agree just because he also did something that was you know hugely admirable i guess from or or hugely respectable at the very least that you know you you go play through that kind of hardship doesn't mean Gordon Hayward doesn't also deserve credit which goes back to a larger which which parallels nicely to our larger discussion about the Celtics which which is just because the Heat also overachieved doesn't mean the Celtics didn't overachieve themselves so it, it's kind of uh, both of those conversations tie in nicely that Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward both did things that were tremendously respectable Isaiah Thomas maybe more so, and you should. They do owe him a lot of respect. Heat and Celtics both overachieved the season. just happens to be that the Heat overachieved a little bit more. That doesn't mean the Celtics should get totally discredited for what they've done.
0: Something I always like to say is, if I get hit by a car and you get hit by a Mack truck, am I not allowed to feel pain because you got hit by something bigger? Like, that's not how life works. Like, I'm still fucking in the hospital because, like, I hit by a car. Like, you can't just say... Oh, Isaiah Thomas went through something worse and completely discredit everything Gordon Hayward has done for the team. So I, I agree with you there. I think the people who just say trade him because he struggled a little bit after, you know, spraining his ankle, breaking his leg, and missing his son's birth, uh, he needs to go because he. And also, why the fuck wouldn't he opt into $34 million? Like, you're telling me if you had the option to take that money, you wouldn't take it either? Like, any sane human being on this earth would take that. Sam, what do you make of all the Hayward bullshit? I agree with KJ a lot. Um,
1: Recency bias was something you mentioned, and I couldn't agree more. Gordon Hayward had a really great season when he was, you know, healthy. And I don't think that should be discounted the way it has been. Um, He averaged 17 points per game shot 50% from the field almost 40% from three if I'm not mistaken like he was really good and he was possibly the best player on the bubble Celtics before he went down and unfortunately he had to rush back because of the Eastern Conference finals and he wasn't able to be 100% healthy and it showed and now everyone wants to give him a hard time for it I don't think that's very fair.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big thing there is 50% from the field. I mean, that is higher than Kemba Walker, higher than Jalen Brown, higher than Jason Tatum. And I think people will tend to, like, they act like Gordon Hayward misses every shot. And in reality, the the fact that his percentage is so high is insane. That is insanely efficient.
1: Not only that, but he's also uh, probably the fourth option on this team, third or fourth, when he's playing. Because Kemba and Jason are number two, and then Jalen Brown really should be number three. Because of how well he's been playing and developing, and then he's got to step into that smaller role, and he's still being able to capitalize. I do know there were injuries throughout the season that made it so he was a uh, in a bigger role than he might be on a full healthy, fully healthy team. But it it shouldn't be discredited at all, and he still kind of deserves the money he's getting. Maybe not a max, but like he's still probably worth like I don't know twenty million.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely I mean you know it, I guess it, it, it depends on I mean something like that in that range for sure I mean Gordon Hayward I don't know what he would get on the open market right now but you're right when you're averaging 17 points per game is the fourth option you have to think if he was still the number one option on a team if he was that this year he'd probably be averaging over 20 a game like I don't think it'd even be a question
1: yeah he's probably at the same level he was before he got hurt mm-hmm. the first time it's I mean, just, he's definitely yeah. beneficent enough to have people be satisfied with him. I just People are just never satisfied.
0: It's just because he's, like you said, he's the fourth option. Sam, didn't you have some guy say that he wasn't worth the max when we signed him?
1: Yeah, I was actually <laughs> just about to say that. Yeah, some guy was trying to tell me that he wasn't even worth it when they first signed him. And then I told him he was part of the problem. And then that was the <laughs> end of the exchange.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Gordon G. did when they first signed him, he was an all-star in the Western Conference where it is very difficult to make the all-star team and he was I just had led the Utah Jazz to the second round where they lost to God forbid the Golden State Warriors so you know that's not exactly uh, an easy accomplishment so he he was certainly deserving of a max contract anyone was going to get it give it to him whether it be the Heat or the the Utah um, yeah anybody was ready to do that so to say he wasn't worth it is just flat out ridiculous yeah a little bit I mean, he, like you said, he led the Jazz to the playoffs. And
0: everyone's like, oh, Donovan Mitchell did the same thing next year. Yeah, but. Like, Donovan Mitchell's also a very good player. Like, that doesn't just...
1: He's also going to end up Hayward
0: leaving Utah play. to play for the Celtics someday. <laughs> sometimes there are parallels. All right, all right. But um, one of the bigger things we've seen is, like, Oladipo and Turner and in those trade rumors. I don't know about Oladipo. I feel like that's kind of redundant with all the wings that the Celtics have and Marcus Smart and everything. Uh, I like Turner. He fits on the Tatum-Brown timeline a little better than Tyson. I think he's... I don't know if he's necessarily like a lot better than Tice, but I do think he's better. And I do think he's younger, better defender at least. Uh, KJ, what do you think of Turner and Oladipo in Boston?
2: is interesting only because I actually don't agree with it. but That's why it's interesting. It's because Oladipo can be a really good player, was an all-star similar to Gordon Hayward, and also got injured, a devastating injury similar to Gordon Hayward. So uh, I worry that fans are like, yes, let's trade Gordon Hayward. For Victor Oladipo and deal with the same things you dealt with with Gordon Hayward. I mean, and the same issues, even uh, two, you know, double for, because of the fact that uh, it is, you're right, a little bit redundant because uh, is is Oladipo going to be happy being the fourth option? I don't. I think if anything, he'd be less happy than even Gordon Hayward was being the fourth option. And then you get into some trouble there. I also wanted to mention real quick about Gordon Hayward, which was something I was, I was trying to look up, uh, which was because because he was so efficient with his field goal percentage. Um, and, and I factored in three-point attempts here because obviously, if you're just shooting right the basket, like your Hassan Whiteside was originally on this list before, I factored in three-point attempts, so it was ridiculous. So I, I had to put in three-point attempts to factor in for shot difficulty. But do you know how many players, minimum 700 field goal attempts and minimum 40 three-point attempts, shot 50% from the field this season? Is it like? So let me, I'll give you those numbers again: 700 field goal attempts, 40 three-point attempts. 50%. How many players shot at least 50%? Huh.
0: Um. I feel like
1: probably
0: Chris Middleton almost did, but I know he didn't. I feel like it's it's got to be like,
2: I don't know, 10 maybe? I don't know. Maybe that's too much. Three. 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 <laughs> and, and I'll give you some credit because Chris Middleton did just miss out, 49.7. Yeah. So I would have given Chris Middleton the nod if you really pushed me on it. Mm-hmm. It was Nikola Jokic, <laughs> Anthony Davis, and Gordon Hayward. So, so don't steal so don't steal this from me because I'm gonna tweet this out after after we get finished recording this podcast. <laughs> a ton more likes on that as well. But that that is the kind of company Gordon Hayward's in. I'm sure I'll get a few people uh, getting a little bit mad that I'm gonna tweet this stat out. So so be on the lookout for that if you're listening to this podcast. One, go like my tweet. Second of all, uh, go just go check it out to see the funny replies to it because that is gonna be. Pretty hilarious,
0: and that's like especially crazy because the other two are like big men, so they probably take around like forty threes, and like and when you factor in how many more threes Hayward probably took than those two, it's even like wilder, right? I've got to imagine.
2: Yeah, I'm. I let's see if I can get this number. Mm-hmm. Hold on, you three-point attempts. Actually, um, actually, unfortunately for you, I'm sorry. To, sorry to point this out for you, but Uh-oh. these guys did shoot around the same number of attempts. They were all. They were all about 200. I think Whoa. Anthony Aves was 218. Hayward was 222, and Jokic was 255. You know, it's the modern NBA. Age, Jokic so. took more threes than Hayward this year. Yeah, Jokic was a 255. <sighs> I mean, he, he he's a good shooter. I, I mean. <laughs> Especially in those playoffs, I remember Reggie Miller was pointing out, jokic has got to keep putting them up." So, um, I mean, yeah, that I is mean, ridiculous to shoot that many three pointers and shoot fifty percent from the field. So, those wow. guys, you give those guys a lot of credit. Next on the list, by the way, LeBron James. So <laughs> if, if you really want me to to put out that entire list, it's Anthony Davis, Nicole Jokic, Chris Middleton, LeBron James. That's that's it's one to five. Then it gets a little worse, but we don't need to talk about the, like we like we won't mention the fact that like LaMarcus Aldridge is the next. <laughs> Derek Rose. Like, we'll ignore that. We'll just talk about Davis and Nicole Jokic.
0: I mean, Davis and Jokic alone, that's two MVP candidates with Gordon Hayward, a guy who obviously doesn't deserve the max and needs to be traded immediately, right? So it's just,
2: whatever, man. Every time I do Nicole Jokic or or I see him, I think about the fact that the Celtics could have had him for, I think, the James Brown pick, which, by the way, at the time, would have been totally absurd to do. Totally absurd trade to make to trade uh, uh, the third overall pick for a guy that just a year prior was in the second round, hadn't really shown, like, real star potential. Like, he looked kind of good. Like, he looked better than a second-round pick. Like, maybe a starter, but he didn't look like this. But even still, I think about, like, man, what we could have Nicole Jokic right now if we pulled that off. But it would have it been so – Jan-Age would have been crucified for at right the time. And that, mm-hmm. you, you would have had three months leading up to the season – and uh, a few more months beyond that until Jokic really found a groove and, and found out what kind of player he was before Danny Inge would, would finally be justified. And that would have been a rip job for a long time. Instead of Jimmy Butler, you got Nikola Jokic.
0: I mean, they could have taken him with 16, too, because we had Gershon that draft, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. um, you know,
2: I'm a, I'm a Yebaselli stan. I love Yebaselli. uh That's my guy, but... You know, I still think if he I still think he has a chance to break back into the league, you know, PJ Tucker style or or somebody like that, and he just leaves the League for a few years, you know, gets finds finds his game. Sorry, I just hit my foot on the table. And, um finds his game and then, you know, gets gets back in the league. So Yabusele, just throwing that out there. d don't give up hope on Yabusele. He could come back. I still believe in him as a as a very offensive Draymond Green.
0: Yeah. I think I've seen people say, like, Grant Williams is everything people wanted Sale to be, which is super sad, because I love the dancing bear. Like, Sam, did you like Yabusele when he was here? I feel like we've had this conversation.
1: I don't think anybody didn't.
0: Yeah, okay. You know? He's just... Uh, he, he didn't. Uh, just That arrow move with the dab, like, oh uh, Iconic. Fucking Boston icon in one season. But um, past the Hayward trade, we see all these people thinking we should trade Marcus Smart now, too, which... I, I think that's like almost worse than a Hayward trade. What do you what do you think
2: KJ about the smart things? So smart, I would be open to hearing deals on. I'm not doing it like I said. I'm not doing it just to shake things up, but it depends on what the t- trade is. Am I doing Marcus Smart for Miles Turner? That's a tough one. I don't think Indiana's doing it, but that I because they have Brogdon already. They don't really need Marcus Smart in that way, but it's somewhat interesting. It's just a, a little bit interesting because of fit. I, I ultimately, I I'm not like I said, it depends on the trade. I'm not dealing him for nothing, but I'll I'll you know listen on Marcus Smart. I'm not totally committed to this team. I'm not you know it's, I think Danny Ainge is the same way. He'll listen on anybody, and if it's a good trade, he'll make it. But he's not gonna seek out any deals this off season just for the sake of seeking them out. That's not what he'll do. He'll take calls on everybody and you know see what comes in. If there's a trade he likes, he'll make it.
0: Mm-hmm. Sam I know you're fundamentally against trading smart right or am I am I wrong in saying
1: that? yeah I just feel like he's too valuable to trade I mean obviously if you get an amazing deal I mean you kind of have to but like Marcus is someone that's really hard to find to replace if if yeah, that I, makes that's sense
2: the thing about Marcus is I definitely value him like first team all defense that is very very tough to replace you're right But somebody made this point, I forget who it was, I think it might have been Chris Gasper of the the, the, Channel 5 News, where he said that Marcus Smart is really unique, but that doesn't really equate to value so much. So Marcus Smart, nobody can do what Marcus Smart does, but the value that, just because that's a fact, doesn't mean his value is any more or less than just what he is as a player. So I, I, like I said, I, I don't know where I would value Marcus Smart. I, I, it's tough to like put him on a spectrum. I'd have to give me, you know, all like 100 or 200 NBA players and I'll rank them somewhere. But that would take me some time. But you know, it, I, I, like I think I think you're right that it's hard to replace him. And certainly being that all defense type player is super valuable. And I don't doubt that he could potentially be in the, you know, you know real really in the running for Defensive Player of the Year next year. and Might have a shot to win it if he plays well enough. But I just, you know, I'm not, he's not untouchable to me. I like, it depends on, I guess, what you could get.
1: Yeah. The only reason I say, well, I wouldn't say it's the only reason because I do love Marcus. I, I like that he's been here a while, which isn't a justifiable reason not to trade someone. But like, also, I feel like you need somebody like Marcus to win a championship, which is something you've definitely heard before. Like, it's not an original take or anything, but like, I agree with it. Like, I feel like, I mean, look at the Warriors. They had Draymond Green, you know, the Celtics back in the day. They had Rondo and Tony Allen. Like, there's always a player that's gritty, that's going to make the the winning play at the end of the day, and that's what you need. And I don't know. I just don't think you can give somebody up like that that's shown. I mean, unless it's an incredible deal, but, like, Mm -hmm. not for a minor upgrade.
0: So something I've seen, I know, Sam, I'm pretty sure you're against it, but KJ, I wanted your thoughts. I know we've talked about this with Adam Taylor. I think he first brought it up to me, and I've seen it on Twitter. But you take the 14th pick in Marcus Smart, deal them for the number two pick to Golden State. Do you take that,
2: KJ? That's tough. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I think I do, because I am obsessed with the idea of getting another star that is young (laughs) to pair with Tatum and Brown for the future. Like, that... That consumes me, and it's part of the reason why the fact that we don't have Tyler Hero makes me so mad. Because <laughs> I would—like, I, I you guys know, I've mentioned already, I think Gordon Hayward's really good. Yeah. There's going to be a certain point where he's not on this team anymore. If you could have a wing pairing of Hero, Brown, and Tatum— for the future, like that, would have been perfect, especially because Heroes, you know, catch and shoot guy. He doesn't need the ball, you know, as much as some other guys would. So, you know, it, it makes uh, sharing the ball around a lot easier. And so, he would have been so great. So, I, I definitely would think about doing it. And the question then is, who do you take? Obviously, I don't know if you would want to take, you know, do you take Lamella Ball? Do you take Anthony Edwards? Who's even there? Who's goes one? I don't know that I love those either of those guys, how they fit with Tatum and, and Brown. I suppose Lamella Ball could be interesting. Anthony Edwards, I don't. That's more of a, you know, slashing wing. I don't yeah. think that really, really already a Brown for that role. So maybe Ball would kind of fit there. There are rumors. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't know if there's any legitimacy to this. I just saw very, very vague rumors. So do not hold me to this at all. <laughs> but I saw some rumor that, like, Philly was interested in, like, a Ben Simmons for the number one pick swap. Yeah. Pick. Melo Ball—that was like some really like underground rumor going around. So uh I don't know, but you know, I think I would just do it just on potential alone. I know the strap's not great, but and that's probably why Golden State would be interested in doing it. But it is guard heavy, and you could use th- that kind of player for the future. So uh it, it certainly entices me. I think yeah, I would probably pull the trigger on that.
0: It, it's tough because like you also have Wiseman, who I don't think it would be worth the second pick. I feel like he's more like three, four, five-ish. Because like you said, Melo Ball—if he's there at two like the potential there is insane, like a giant point guard who can pass. And when you have the defense that Boston already has, like, yeah, you're giving up the best defender, arguably smart, but you still have Brown and Tatum who are becoming some of the league's best swing defenders. You don't really need necessarily like too much help. So offense is maybe more of a priority. Sam, I know you're against the second overall pick thing. Uh, Do you want to just state? You're yeah, the
1: the reason I'm against it is because you're going to trade, like I said, Marcus, who is a rare talent for someone that's not proven yet. That's the only—you know, if there was, like, a guaranteed deal, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah,
2: but if there was a guaranteed player up there that was, like, surefire, can't miss, the Golden State's not giving that up. So, like, I think that this is the rare occasion where you could get a pick that high for Marcus Smart. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to. So— I don't know even if Golden State would do it now. I question whether that's the, there's the legitimacy of that at all. Like, I think if I was Golden State, the deal I'd be trying to do is I would want to use my $17 million trade exception, absorb some sort of contract. And I'm going to write about this in the coming days, probably. I've been planning it for a while, but it's been hard to figure out all the machinations of it. Basically, they have a $17 million trade exception from Andre Guadala. And you cannot use that um, to package with a deal, which is the monkey wrench. You can't package that exception with other players. It has to be exception for one player straight up. So that's kind of thrown a monkey wrench in my my uh, doing this. So I've had to figure a lot of stuff out. But what they can do is they can trade the trade exception for somebody straight up, absorb a $17 million contract. Then they take whoever they take with the number two pick because you have to, after you make a deal for somebody, you have to wait a certain number of months before you can trade them again. So you take the two, number two pick, you take Whatever player you you, you absorb with that trade exception. And then at the trade deadline, you trade that player you got for to match salary. You trade, I think it's drain, is it? No, it's not Draymond. It's the trade exception. It's who else was in this deal? Uh, I'm trying to think. There was some, why, I'm like, I'm trying to think. Why did this deal work before? Who did I have in there? wasn't Claire or Steph. Who else? Did they have somebody Wings, else making a lot of money? Wings, I can't even think. Wings. Either way, it was some way to get Golden State is it to. Andrew Wiggins? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, thank you so much. Right. So it was Andrew Wiggins, whoever they get with this trade exception, and the number two pick to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons and Al Horford. So you allow Philadelphia to dump Al Horford. You, uh, and then, they, you know, this might sound a little far-fetched, but they kind of did a similar thing with D'Angelo and Russell. You know, you just find a way to rearrange your assets, wait a few months, and then deal them again. So they, they, they're they certainly in the... the uh, kind of, uh, you know, in the business of asset management, like, in that sort of way. So you bring in that, you, you deal for, you take Al Horford off the Sixers' hands, who fits with you better anyway, fits with Golden State much better, and you can have a starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, and Al Horford. And you have, and, like, talk about the perfect teammates for Ben Simmons, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, like, that'll space the floor for you. So I think that's the deal I would try to make with was Golden State. Um, but if they don't want to risk it, if they don't want to wait, then sure, go ahead. I think Golden State, though, if I had to be if I had to guess, they they have shown some patience, so I think they would probably uh, wait on this pick and try to get something better than Marcus Smart. I don't know how well Smart really fits with their team anyway. I mean, Although it would be interesting to see Smart and Draymond playing together. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I feel like Smart would be one of the most perfect backcourt partners for Steph because you can just move Clay to the three because he's what six seven, he's giant. He can play the three. So you have that defense next to Steph, like already on top of an elite defense. It's just, I think the Warriors are one of the most interesting teams going into this free agency to see what they do, because they do have that second overall pick. They have two of the best players in the NBA coming back. Draymond's going to be better than he was this year because he has players to work with. And he's one of those guys that he's not going to be good on his own. And then you have Wiggins, who's not, he's not bad necessarily he can like shoot the ball to some degree and he's not incompetent so it's just a matter of it's what they can Jayhawks, do baby. Embiid
2: and wiggins, <laughs> item.
0: that's all andrew wiggins needs oh my god jesus christ uh, just i don't know man the, the warriors are definitely interesting uh sam what do you think of the whole like warrior situation i guess and i don't know like who would you take if you were the celtics that they did two like everything we're talking about sam
1: See, I know nothing about college basketball, so I'm kind of awful bad. <laughs> I um,
2: but I mean, I feel well, like the saying they... You're right. Wiseman is kind of the guy yeah. that, that makes the most sense. If maybe Lamelo Ball, let's say, yeah, that's
0: probably the best fit. I mean, then there's a Kung Wu though, because like we haven't seen Wiseman a lot, and we know a Kung Wu's good.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the thing um, about. Danny Ainge has been referring to this as he said something that kind of relates to this discussion which was this that sometimes you need to make moves for fit and that's what he said I think going into his draft he said that uh, in recent interview so I think that if it came to that for whatever reason however possible he certainly would do that another name to watch I guess just to throw this out there is maybe Mo Bamba or maybe Nikola Vucevic if you do trade Gordon Hayward I think Gordon Hayward for Vucevic makes some sense from a fit standpoint so if, if, you know, and I think well, certainly Mo Bamba, a guy they tried to get in the draft a few years ago, tried to trade up for supposedly um, that would have been, you know, that would have made a lot of sense too. And uh, if Orlando's ready to give up on one of those guys, I think the Celtics should be ready to pounce.
0: So this kind of wraps back around Sam and I, I think, mentioned Boots the other day too. It's just like you mentioned earlier, just this eternal obsession with trying to get the young pieces to fit with Jalen and Jason. Cause As good as Hayward and Kemba are, and trust me, I I love them both. I love them, like, with all my heart. I don't want to trade Hayward unless we get a good trade. Kemba's an all-star starter, for Christ's sake. It's just the timelines. There's two very different timelines going on with the Celtics. So you got to eventually start thinking, okay, Jalen and Jason, when they're in their prime, Kemba and Hayward are going to be far, far out of their prime. So it's a matter of getting these assets – So, out of all the free agents, or even, like, not even free agents, all the moves the Celtics could make this offseason, KJ, would you prioritize getting younger and the fit, or would you prioritize a win-now thing? Because I don't want to rush the process like the Sixers did.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think if if it were up to me, I would probably – prioritize getting somebody that fits better with Tatum and Brown's timelines. I think that's your best bet to win. I think you're right. If you rush it like the Sixers did, that can create some real problems. I think that that's a big takeaway from the season for me is just that, you know, I understand people want to win now and that's fine. But at a certain point, these guys are still very young. It would be unprecedented for, for Jason Tatum to be the highest scoring player on a championship team. Unprecedented for him to do that at his age. So, I mean, in the last at least 30 years, you know, so um, I just think hopefully people start to recognize that. I think not not enough people are, but I, if it were up to me, I would certainly say, you know what, let's just make sure we, we stay on course. Don't, don't listen to the fan pressure that's all about, you know, compromising the future for the now, because that's the way the fans have always been. They, you know, they wanted to trade the third overall pick for you know, like nothing, they just anything when it was Jalen Brown. So I don't, uh, I, say, I say nothing to avoid saying Jimmy Butler, which might be <laughs> a debate now if you want to do that. But at the end of the day, Brown fits better with Tatum. And the timeline-wise, it all goes back to that. So, and I think that this also relates back to the conversation about Chris Paul, which is, um, um, I think the, the move that should really be looming as far as this discussion, because if you choose a win-now move, You might choose Chris Paul. Let's just hypothetically say that's a win-now move. If you do that, like, what did Chris Paul do last time? He was with, like, a young emerging star, forward, Blake Griffin. Those two didn't get along too well. So I don't envision Chris Paul getting along too well with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, at the very least Jason Tatum. And I know Jalen Brown, I think Jalen Brown's very involved with the Players Association, so is Chris Paul, so maybe they already have a nice little relationship, but... If you want to play with the worst-case scenario there, it's that uh, Chris Paul could drive a wedge between those two players. So I'm a no one Chris Paul. I'll put that on the record. I do not want Chris Paul. I think it would be a, be an issue. I think it would, wouldn't work. So if he, if he does get here, I hope it would work. But uh, I'll put it on record now, Then I won't go back on it. that uh, my, my official stance is that if the Celtics get Chris Paul, it will not work, and it's going to be a bit of a mess.
0: I mean, yeah. Sam, what are you thinking about this offseason? Do you have any, like, things in mind? What timeline do you think the Celtics should follow? What are your What are your thoughts?
1: Um, I mean, I personally do not have a problem with the two different timelines, at least right now, because I feel like that gives you an opportunity to win now and also later, if that makes sense. Like, if you look back in, like, the 80s, it is different now. But, like, so when Larry Bird was young, they had Tiny Archibald as the point guard rather than Dennis Johnson. That was a move they made later down the line. So, like... I feel like Tatum and Brown might be good enough to where – I mean, Kemba's also really good, and he was playing probably a little bit hurt with the knee because you know he didn't look like himself and Hayward, obviously. I think with those four, they might be good enough if everyone's 100%. I'm also a massive homer, so that's also another thing. But I don't know. I just feel like it is possible to win now and later. And I don't think they need to do anything drastic. It just it just really depends. Maybe they can package their picks to move up in the draft. Who knows? Yeah. That's the that's my favorite thing that I've heard.
0: The package to move up.
1: I as Jack knows, I'm not a massive trade guy either. Just because I'm such a homer that I don't like giving up players. Yeah, that I can be, never be GM. Yeah.
0: That's that's the next thing I kinda of wanted to bring up. What do you what do you see the Celtics doing with their picks, KJ? Because last year they took what, they have five new rookies on the team, drafted four, signed Taco. Like, I can't see them doing that again. I don't think they even wanted to do it last year, to be honest. So what what do you see Ainge doing with, like, the three first-rounders he has this year?
2: No, yeah, I think the picks are different. I think maybe what you try to do, and this is going to sound a little far-fetched, but you try to keep 14 and trade the other ones, that's going to be a tough trick to pull off, especially in the perceived weaker draft. But, look, last year you traded Aaron Baines for basically a first. So if you trade two... This year, can you get a better role player? Like, I think that that shouldn't shouldn't be too hard. It should be possible. So you should be able to hold on to 14 and, I would say, trade the other picks and get a serviceable bench player. And I think they will be inclined to do that because, look, 14 is not worthless. And I know we all wanted a higher pick than 14, but it just didn't happen. So you look at some of the players that were taken in that range over the last decade. Giannis was taken in that range. Kawhi was taken in that range. More recently, Shy, Gilders, Alexander, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Michael Porter Jr. Like You can get really good players. You can get star players at 14. So if it was me, I would hold on to 14, I would swing for the fences, and I would trade the other picks for a, a good bench piece, a 3-and-D guy. There, there aren't a lot of them out there. but hey, That if
1: you works, too. Get somebody,
2: if you can get somebody like that that can actually knock down shots off the bench, which is just going to be a catch-and-shoot player. You don't want somebody like Rosier or like Marcus Morris who wants the ball in their hands? Who wants to ISO. Just get someone that's going to spot up in the corner, knock down shots, and play some defense. That's what you need. I think the problem is, uh, and you know, two years ago was that sure you had bench scoring, but they all wanted to be ISO players, and that's not what you need. You need someone that can be a bench scorer without having their ball in their hand too much. So I think that's that's what I think they sh- they should look to do, and I think they will look to do at the end of the day. Look, Danny values these draft picks, but you don't have room for all of them and he he acknowledges that we need to improve this this team a little bit more and bring in some other pieces and you know you just you can't keep making draft picks you need to you make a trade mentally so i think I, I envisioned him doing that but we'll see
0: and now a quick word from our sponsor see we we talked on the last show why not bring Aaron Vance right back like i feel like he'd be the one of the, a the perfect setter
2: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a free agent move. But as far as no, yeah. uh, I know, you guys know that. But um, but uh, the the reason I bring up, bring up the picks is obviously for like every and everybody's going would be perfect. I love them back too. But you know, you, you, it's hard to. I don't have anybody specific in mind. And I know that the money's a little tight, so they might have to throw in, God forbid, like Wanamaker or Vincent Poirier or something yeah. <laughs> to, to match whatever player they're bringing back. But yeah, you, you probably make a move like that, and you, know, you ship them off to. Somewhere. I mean, the guy, the trade that I really want him to make is Lou Williams, and I don't know how you make that happen, but you might have to give up 14 if you want to do that, or uh, something else, or whatever it may be. But that's what I would really try to do. I think Lou Williams is perfect. I know I just said they need a player that's not an ISO player, and that's exactly what Lou Williams is. But I think, as far as creating off the bench, Lou Williams is a veteran, and he's he's enough that he he wants to win, and I don't think he's going to be like Morris or like Rozier, who were a little immature. I know you might point to the whole wing scenario in Atlanta with him, and, and disagree. But you know, he he seems like a guy that's ready to sacrifice for a team to win, and can do a lot with uh, maybe you know not so much. Uh, you know, he's been a sixth man of the year so many times. And I know he plays a lot, but yeah, you know, he can do um a, you know a, a good amount when you need to be that other creator that they kind of need off the bench. And so if they can get Lou Williams, I think that makes a lot of sense.
0: I mean, yeah, the first person, excuse me, at the top of my head. I can think of, because I was trying to think of what teams would take picks for a role player in like, the cap. I mean, if the Spurs are looking to kind of hit the reset button a little bit, Derek White I feel like would be solid. He can stand in the core, he can defend, he can hit his shots, and you, you never know what the Spurs will take, because uh, Pop came out and said, like, oh, I'm not leaving, why would I leave? And I don't think the Spurs are in a place to make the playoffs next year by any means. If, if anything, I think they'll be one of the worst teams in the West, which is unfortunate, but it's the reality of basketball. So I looked at, like, Derek White, and I know Bryn Forbes is going to be a free agent, I like him, too. He's, like, one of those wing players that we can just have to, you know, like, even out the bench a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And also the connection, obvious connection there with Forbes and the Celtics and Team USA, yeah. they played together there. So I think that makes sense for that reason, too.
0: Yeah, and then, like you said... I say Forbes, I meant Derek White there. And then outside of, you know, trading for free agents... I know everyone says this is like a weak draft. I feel like they're saying it's a weak draft because there's not necessarily a Luca or a Trey Young, but overall. And
2: also, by the way, uh, because we didn't see March Madness, so yeah. March Madness is the time that we really get to see these prospects and we find out who we like. And even outside of that, you know, the experts are saying it's a weak draft. Okay, so it's it's there's some truth to it, to be sure. But at the same time, you can still find stars in weaker drafts. Yeah. The drafts I drafters mentioned Giannis. That was a weaker draft, and they got him at 15, so you can, there's still always diamonds in the rough.
0: Yeah, like, I'm looking at this, uh, I'm looking at a mock draft or whatever, and I'm seeing people around 14, I've seen Cole Anthony, he looks solid, like, he wouldn't be bad on the Celtics. I've seen Theo Maladon, he doesn't look bad, Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, Nico Mannion, even, like, all these good guards, like you're saying, it's a guard-heavy draft, that would fit with Brown and Tatum silent. and we don't need a superstar out of this draft. Like it'd be nice, obviously, but uh, Tatum and Brown are primed to be the best two players on a championship team, in my opinion. So even if you can get like uh, uh close to all, not even close to all star level point guard, just a point guard that can fill the role and play good basketball and hit his shots. That's all I feel like the Celtics need to look for if they, Cole, like you said, keep fourteen.
2: Cole Anthony is interesting, but he's actually similar to Romeo Langford in that. Guy that was highly recruited out of high school, looked like a top prospect, and kind of fell in the season, you know, dealing with various different things, so uh, they're kind of similar prospects in that vein, Um, a little bit different as players, but, uh, you know, I think Romeo's a little bit uh, more of a defender, a better defender at least, than than, but both really good athletes, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know, someone like that does make some sense, it depends what they think of Romeo, I think they've already talked about the fact that they expect Romeo to play more next season, which... Look, I mean, Romeo Langford. I don't, I wouldn't make much of the fact that he didn't play this season. Brad Stevens usually doesn't play rookies. Look at Jalen Brown's minutes when he was a rookie. Look at right. Harry Roziers. You know, these guys didn't play a lot. Uh, and, and Jason Tatum certainly did. But obviously, we know Jason Tatum's a different type of player. So, um, you know, I think I wouldn't read into the fact that Romeo didn't play too much. I certainly would still love to have Tyler Hero over him. But, he's, you know, I wouldn't give up hope yet. He could still turn things around. It could just be the same thing Brad Stevens does with all his young players. Or most of them, at least.
0: Yeah, I just think the Celtics need to... I'm not sure what they'll do. I'm sure Danny Ainge will do what's best for the team. I trust him. And I am I'm consider the Celtics lucky to have a GM like Danny Ainge when we're not the Knicks or the Kings, where they just kind of shit the bed every year. But, hey, uh, it's great to be a Boston fan, I suppose. But moving on, I guess, past the Celtics stuff, Doc Rivers in Philly now, five years, three days to get the deal done. Sam, I'll start with you. What do you think of the fit there?
1: Um, I... I think I might have said this on here before. I think Doc's a little bit overrated of a coach. Even though I love Doc, don't get me wrong, I really do like Doc. But, I mean, I feel like he could have won more championships here and if he might have been a better coach. I know they had unfortunate injury luck and things like that. But, I mean, really, I mean, if you think about it, didn't perform that well in L.A. He had those star-studded teams. Throughout the 2010s, and they won what three playoff series, I believe. I saw
0: no, yeah, it, it's iffy. Do you share that same sentiment, KJ, or do you think it's a good fit there?
2: I mean, it's an interesting fit. Uh, Doc Rivers, uh, you know, I think he got somewhat of an unfair shake in, in LA, but at the same time, like, yeah, sure, he didn't deserve the blame for that series. I think you could argue, no,
1: yeah, it. I agree with you. There.
2: I, I think he didn't get he didn't deserve the blame for game seven, you could argue that. He also, you're right, he severely underachieved while he was there. He never even made a conference final. And the goal there was to win a championship. The goal when they brought him in, when they traded for him, that he wanted he said, I don't want to coach a rebuild in Boston. I want to go coach a contender, so I'm gonna go coach the Clippers. And the idea was they're gonna coach him to a championship. And he never even got close. Okay, and, and I know this stat's been thrown around. The fact that he's the only coach in NBA history to blow multiple 3 1 series leads the only coach to he's the only coach to blow even two 3-1 series leads and he's blown three so i mean that is bad that is bad but in some ways that makes him the perfect fit for philly i think he'll be the perfect (laughs) fit there um because they're such losers (laughs) i'm just i'm only kidding i love you guys know i love to poke fun at the philly fans me and the philly who doesn't you know we we like to take jabs at each other i'm laughing the whole time they actually hate me but you know Uh, Philly, Philly, uh, uh, in all seriousness, it, I mean, Doc Rivers is a player's coach and they could certainly use someone who can deal with players that might be one to be emotional or fly off the handle a little bit, like, uh, not to name names, but a few guys like Ben Simmons and Joel Amid. Um, so yeah, I think that from that standpoint, it makes sense. I just don't see them finding much success there. And from a personal standpoint, it really hurts me. It really hurts me, Doc, that you would do this. I mean, for it's it was one thing to leave us uh, high and dry for for the Clippers, but first now you go to Philly. It's like getting ready to say Doc Rivers is dead to me. I'm not there yet, but I, I saw the picture up here. I'm staring at on my on my wall, him and Paul Pierce. But yeah. um, I'm not going to cut out his photo yet. But if they beat the Celtics next year, I might just you know I might I might. Just take some scissors and just cut Draco's face out and put Brad Stevens' face on there, kind of like what people do with their exes or whatever with those pictures.
0: <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just do that, yeah. Um, actually, you bring up Brad Stevens. I'll shift there for a second. Sam has this argument that if Brad <laughs> Stevens was the coach of the 08 Celtics, they would have won multiple Oh, titles. I thought you were going somewhere else. No, no, no. I mean, you can think bring they up could've. something else, too, but, but um, do you want to explain your, your thoughts there or whatever else you thought I was going to say? <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I thought you were talking to him, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I just think they had a lot of talent, not, I mean, to repeat, or at least, I mean, there were injuries, in fairness. But uh, KJ mentioned him blowing the 3 1 leads. He never did that here, but he did blow 3 2. uh, 2010, 2009, they blew under the Magic, if I'm not mistaken and obviously 2012 when they lost to Miami so that's three times that they did that now Brad Stevens has done that against the Cavs so um you know that's a thing as well but I don't know I just think Brad is a better X's and O's guy and I think you guys would probably agree with that and you know we saw him take that 2018 2018 team on quite the run uh, a couple years back yeah I don't know. I just think he would have been able to manage the talent maybe a little bit better. Maybe get a little bit more out of the guys. I don't know. Or at least... So, when KG goes down in 2009, maybe he gets more out of the rotation guys there.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, the 2018 Celtics team that made the run uh, effectively had, what, one All-Star playing for it? Was it in, like, Horford? Or, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Meanwhile... It was Horford. Yeah, yes. Hor- the... 2008 Celtics had four All-Stars that time. So, KJ, do you think Stevens could have won more chips than Doc
2: did with those? Uh, so, that's those the take. That's what it is. that Stevens would have won more championships with those Celtics I, than Doc Roberts did? I think so. Correct me yes. if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Okay. I probably would disagree because I think, I think Doc was just the right coach for that team. Like, they loved Doc. Fair. All those guys loved Doc. And it was just like, that team was very, like, rah-rah, rally around. Like, Doc's a perfect coach for that. I don't know that the 76ers are necessarily that team. I think maybe with Jimmy Butler they would be. But, like, there's some, like, the thing with the Celtics is, like, they all came together and were, like, very, very close. And that's why it hurt so much when Ray Allen left. Philly doesn't seem all that close. So I don't don't know that that's going to be as, as effective as a strategy. And that was the same problem with the Clippers. Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, as I already mentioned, did not get along. And so it was hard for Doc Rivers to bring those guys together. And this year, I don't really know what Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's relationship is, but I mean, they were nice to each other in press conferences and they said they supported each other, but it didn't, never really appeared as though they were best friends. So, you know, I think that Chris Paul, I mean, uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, like, they're still really close to the day, and they still, you can still see how much those two like each other. So I think it's easy for Doc to do stuff like that. With Brad, like, that's more analytical. You know, would they have won a championship? Probably, maybe, but you know, I, I think that Doc just worked really well with those personalities because it's like Doc wants this kind of familial environment, and that works. And I think that's why they were able to play so well is because they were that connected. And I, I just don't – I don't know if Brad Stevens creates that – like kind of emanates that same energy.
0: Yeah, definitely very different coaching styles, um, Doc and Brad Stevens. I think you made a good
1: point. Yeah. I didn't even think about it like that where – you know you've got I think he deserves more credit for winning in the first year as well. Yeah. You know Doc had to inherit that team pretty much and he all these new pieces brought them together they won. So shout out to Doc for that. But I don't know. I think that was a very good counter argument to what yeah. I had to say.
0: Definitely fair. Jumping back forward to this year. KG, let me ask you this. Who the hell is going to take that Clippers coaching job? Who in their right mind wants to go coach that team now? Like, that's it's, it's gotta be the highest pressure job
2: opening in like the NBA right now. It is, but also potentially the most lucrative. So that's you know, you could step right in there, it's gonna be your best shot at winning a championship, and you're revered as a great coach all of a sudden, just because you have you inherited a great team, which mm-hmm. is what some people would argue happened to Steve Kerr. Though I think Steve <laughs> Kerr was would- I think he stepped in there, and that was that helped a lot. I think that, that he, he deserves more credit than he does, but I'm just saying some people would make that argument. So there's two sides to that coin, right? Is is you know if you don't win, you're lambasted. But th- the other benefit of it is the Clippers they gave Doc Rivers a lot of job security. He was there for a while, so I don't know. Are you going to have the same job security? I don't know. But if you're just going off of that, you can say, hey, yeah, I mean they fired Doc, and maybe he didn't deserve it, but he he had a long run there, so. Maybe I could too. So I I think that that's what you're holding out hope for. Although if it is the two names I've heard, which are are Jeff Van Gundy and Tyrone Lu, like I don't know those. First of all, I don't know. First of all, Jeff Van Gundy with Kawhi Leonard and Ball George, like that does not seem like a fit to me at all. Stan Van, or sorry, Jeff Van Gundy, he doesn't seem like a fit in the modern NBA whatsoever. Like he's very much. 90s basketball coach so I cannot see his style working in the NBA now I don't know why he keeps his name he keeps getting thrown in with these jobs that would be interesting to see Ty Lu, look I don't know really much I, I don't know how I feel about Ty Lu. he was on a team a lot like the Clippers that just had a lot of talent and yeah. I think it's kind of fair to look at well See, now I feel like I'm I have some bias now because I'm saying Steve Kerr deserves credit for what he did with him the Warriors when he stepped in. Although he made a much bigger improvement with the Warriors yeah, and that's didn't have LeBron James. Like it's you know, the Warriors were a six seed and they didn't have arguably the best one of the best players of all time when Kerr stepped in. That's mm-hmm. you know, any coach that's coaching LeBron James isn't gonna get that much credit. So I don't love the Tyloo idea, but if he if he they do bring him in and it does work and Tyloo wins a championship. Tyler is going to start getting looked at as one of the best coaches in the league and he's going to deserve it. If you lead two champions, I don't care who is playing on that team. If you're able to do that, then you deserve a lot of credit. It's the same thing with, with Phil Jackson. Like, yeah, I get it. He had Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan. It's got kind of, like, he had great players, but to do the, the to roll those kind of runs with two teams is pretty impressive. And I know, you know, Tyloo's not exactly winning six championships with each team, uh, or six and five, but you know, it's a, At the very least, it's still. You know, you're winning one, and and that's if you're winning one in two places. Not a lot of coaches can stay claim to that. Certainly, Doc Rivers can. So, so,
0: so hear me out here. Not case. yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you you mentioned like Jeff Van Gunny is a '90s coach. Like, all these guys have to get along with these players. So, like, you can call me crazy here if you want, but this is just like an initial idea that I've been having. So. You talk about Doc Rivers, like, they love playing for him, the energy guy, versus Brad Stevens, we said, like, his very X's and O's. Kenny Atkinson is a name I haven't seen anywhere since he got I canned from Kenny the X's.
2: You, you, know you know what's interesting, though, is you bring this up, and I hate to cut you off, but yeah, yeah. Ty Lu was Doc Rivers' assistant in LA. Mm-hmm. So, are you really changed that much? Like, I feel like Ty Lu and Doc Rivers, like, they're both kind of players' coaches, you, you know, you're getting kind of the same thing. If you want to shake things up, then shake things up. But maybe, maybe, I don't know, there's always the chance. I mean, they're totally different people. Yeah. So maybe there's a chance that George and Leonard just like Ty Lue better. So, I mean, there's always that chance. But, um, you know, even still, like, I would still kind of look at it and say, you're just promoting his assistant. Like, And it, was, it would be the same thing with Sam Cassell, who yeah. uh, I think Sam Cassell absolutely deserves a coaching job. I think he absolutely, absolutely does. But Cassell's been there even longer than, than – Lou obviously and mm-hmm. so Cassell would be even closer to Doc so I, like these players like the, the coaches it's ironic that the Sixers or that the Clippers I should say have so many uh, so many good coaches on their bench that I think certainly mm-hmm. might deserve head coaching jobs but I just don't, I don't know why how it makes sense for them when they were like they were there already and they're kind of Doc disciples and in some ways some ways they're they're not entirely certain they're not Cassell would be but yes yeah. Yeah, so that doesn't make a lot of sense maybe I mean just to throw it like maybe like Alvin Gentry I could see if mm-hmm. but Alvin Gentry hasn't worked in a lot of places but you know if you wanted somebody that to to bring up from the outside you know like I that's the only name I can really think of that would be any different than doc would be because you know Gentry's a little more like pop tempo and stuff like that but yeah that's that's a that's a tough one
0: no yeah I, I was bringing Brett Brown <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro just flip coaches bro. just flip it Brett Brown's a joke going to miss Brett Brown. Yeah, because you're a Celtics fan, you miss Brett. Brown. Oh, I know,
2: man. <laughs> yeah, it's hard pass on Brett Brown. Look, man. I mean, Brett Brown. You know, the Sixers really tried to do right by him. They said, you know, we're going to bring you in and we're going to decimate your coaching record because we're going to tank, <laughs> but we want to give you a real, real fair shake with this team. And it's like, you should have just fired Brett Brown a while ago, man. Like everybody does this. Everybody brings in a coach to be, you know, the the. Scapegoat when they're terrible, so just just fire them. Like that's just the way it goes. Sorry, buddy. This is the NBA. Like you know, and and I you know, in some ways it's commendable what they did, but like it was pretty evident after. Year one of Embiid and Simmons, like Brett yeah, Brown, yeah.
1: not the when, guy. when they lost to the Celtics the first time, that <laughs> probably should have been it.
0: <laughs> yeah, when they lost to the 12-year-old Celtics in five games and had Marcus Morris clowning on them, you know that's just the beginning of the end for Brett Brown. <laughs> um And then he got another year, Yeah,
2: <laughs> and he lost to Toronto in seven, and they said, you know, we're just going to give one more shot at it, and it's like, well, that was one too many because this year was a disaster. So, oh yeah, oh man. And, and think about, think about. By the way, think back. If they fire Brett Brown after that Celtics series, and they still make the Jimmy Butler trade, that could go totally differently because, by all accounts, it was Jimmy Butler and Brett Brown were the ones the ones that really had problems. Yeah, Jimmy got along with with uh, with Embiid and. Simmons doesn't sound like he got along too much with, but Simmons a that's beside the, the point because I think the real problem was with the coach. So, if you have a different coach then, then all of a sudden, do you <laughs> keep Jimmy? Does it really work out? And I tweeted this out as a joke. Again, I keep mentioning my tweets, but um, but I said this. I said behind that little meme where somebody's peeking out from behind the wall and yeah, you throw yeah. that thing on Twitter, I said uh, that the the, the the Celtics losing to the Heat is actually a worse look for the Sixers than the Celtics because they let go of Jimmy <laughs> Butler for nothing. So, <laughs> You know,
1: that's...
2: It is, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, you think that situation could have gone totally differently, and do you still have Jimmy Butler to this day, and is it you in the NBA Finals?
0: Yeah, man. I don't know. Sixers have always been a joke. I, I just like, going full circle for, like, a quick sec before we move on, I just like Kenny Atkinson, because before he coached that net team, like, you, can t- you can't tell me you knew who Spencer Dinwiddie, Karisilbert, and all those players were, like, he got the most out of every player on that team, broke the, the and, Nets... He
2: made Angela Russell an all-star. Oh,
0: yeah. The Nets like were like a Angela joke.
2: Russell... People forget now, Russell. Nobody wanted to touch that guy. Yeah. He got traded for the twenty eighth pick. And Brooklyn. Lopez. Worthless. Yeah. The, the Lakers sold him off for spare parts, and I know they got Kyle Kuzma it, but that's you know they they got a nice little player at twenty eight. Kyle Kuzma nothing special, but it's a good player to get at that range of the draft. Okay. Yeah. But either way, the twenty eighth pick is, is is in and of itself is worthless. And he got D'Angelo Russell. They got D'Angelo Russell for it at the time when he, w- he had no value and he got turned into an all star. And, and I'm going to say this even though it's not technically true, but I'm going to say it just for effect. And they flipped him for Kevin Durant. They were able to trade D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant, even though that's not really how that works. It was a sign and trade situation. But still, they, tra- they traded the 28th pick for, for D'Angelo Russell, and then they traded D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant. Talk about paper-clipped NBA star. I mean, look, what a bad look for the Lakers. They could have had, supposedly, Kevin Durant for D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> uh, now, I'm just, now I'm going a little overboard. Hey, but, you know, <laughs> but, but it Kudus is really good. impressive, you're right, what, what Atkinson was able to do and, and make D'Angelo Russell into an all-star. And now D'Angelo Russell is not so much an all-star anymore, but still a really good player. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, I, I, I just think... He'd be a good fit on one of these rebuilding teams, like maybe even the Pelicans or
2: whoever else needs to coach. The the, yeah, th- no, the Thunder, no, the Thunder. Like, I think he'd be nice with the Rockets. Like just <clears throat> yeah, the guy, just you know, the, the younger, basically, you might argue the younger version of Mike Tantoni with how he mm-hmm. plays. So, yeah. uh, well, why not just go for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, moving on. Last thing I think I wanted to talk about. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot. I wanted both your thoughts on this. I'll start with you, KJ. Do the Heat have a chance still?
1: No. <laughs> no, tense, tense. Couldn't contain my excitement.
2: It depends what happens with this injury situation. I know uh, you know as we're recording this game two is getting ready to start in a few hours here. Bam's not and, playing. Yeah, and then you had Bam and Goran Drogic, uh both both banged up, and that hurts because Gordanovic was a guy that look the Heat don't have a lot of great perimeter defenders, and Gordanovic would have been really nice to have. Like if you got him on a switch against Kyle Kuzma, or you know. Uh, KCP or whoever, like you know, even even the KCP is not terrible either. But you know, it just it would have been nice to to have Draja be able to do that because the strength of the Lakers is obviously on the wing, and uh, you know, to have Dragic kind of go up against those those lesser players would have been nice. Uh, you know, I, I still, I, I mean, going into the series, I looked at them and I said, you know, they have the wings to to slow down James. They have Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala and Jimmy Butler, who like I'm not saying are great, but they're they're multiple bodies to LeBron, which is what you're looking at. What are you looking for? And they had Bam for Anthony Davis, which is, like, a great matchup to have. That's, like, one of the best matchups you could ask for defensively if you need anyone to guard Anthony Davis. You probably – Bam out of Iowa is probably somewhere at the top of your list. So, I mean, matchup-wise, it looked pretty good. And now, as you lose Drogic and Bam, it's not looking too good anymore. So, do I still give them a chance? But just how hard they play, I feel like I have to. Like, those guys play 100 miles an hour, which is ridiculous. But – it's not looking good.
0: Yeah, no, Sam. What are your thoughts on the series? Heat? Yes, no. Man. Really pissed the Celtics aren't in it. That, that's <laughs> how I feel, honestly.
2: Yeah. And, and people
0: uh, this up. They dropped the ball. Else,
2: somebody else brought this up, but like, just having shot makers, like shot creators, in this series is so huge because that's what that's the type of series the Lakers want to play, and they're going to dictate the style of play because they're the better team. Okay, so. Uh, you know, and that's not always the case. But, but either way, the Lakers are clearly the ones dictating the style of play. And the Celtics are able to play that way. So I think that they would be much better off. I think the ratings people have talked about, the ratings would be much better if it was Celtics-Lakers. But, you know, it's just hopefully the Heat bring it back and they, they start playing hard again. Because game one was hard to watch. That was a blowout. And, mm-hmm. and that's another factor, too, is that people were like, oh, why didn't we get the ratings did? Because people went on their phones, and at halftime, they saw the Lakers were up 20. So, like, what's the point of tuning in for that? So and and the heat got up to a to a hot start, if they can just, you know, duplicate that and, and uh not start not totally fall victim to the Lakers just immense talent, then maybe they can maybe they can make it a series.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I wrote about this for Bannertown USA uh earlier today. Uh the shooting numbers in game one, Lakers shot forty percent from three, the heat shot thirty percent. Uh that's just like you can't predict something like that. Like the heat have been one of the best shooting teams in the NBA Lakers. This playoffs and the bubble have been terrible. So all it's going to take is for Duncan Robinson to get hot and the Lakers role players to shit the bed. Like they have been in the past. And it's a completely different ball game. Like, obviously I'm not going to discredit the Lakers. They smack the shit out of the heat. And there's nothing you can say to change my mind on that, but it's just a matter of the Heat getting hot from three. If Tyler Hero makes his shots, if if they just make their shots, that's a ball game, and that's I think that's what it comes down to. The Heat just have to have a better shooting game, and that was atrocious in Game One. But uh, I think they do have a chance. It'll obviously, like you said, KJ help to have their All Star center and Goran Dragic back. But regardless, I think there's always going to be a chance just because of who Jimmy Butler is as a player. But uh, Sam, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we you know wrap everything up? Um, no. Not particularly. Right. No, I right.
2: just correct you real quick. You did say they're all star center Goran Dragic. I know you meant Bam at I meant, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I meant to <laughs> yeah, say. That. I just wanted, that. yeah, 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 to yeah, make sure that was clarified.
0: <laughs> I think I meant to say they're all star center and Goran Dragic. But I, I, you know, Goran Dragic, unless he grows like a foot overnight, I don't think he'll be a center anytime soon.
2: But that being I mean, said, I, you know, I want Goran Dragic drug tested. I mean, <laughs> good, board. You know, I, I, that was the one thing I said going into the series. I was like. Gordon Rodgers is out 21 a game. He is not going to keep that up. Like, that's, yeah. you know, and uh, it turns out he was able to. So, yeah, listen, I, I just – make Gordon Rodgers pee in a cup. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, not, I, know, like, he, I mean, he was good in Phoenix, but he hasn't been that player for a long time. So, yeah, right. I don't know. Isn't there something like taking steroids makes you more susceptible injuries or something? I don't know if that's a thing, <laughs> but it sounds right. So, I'm just going to throw that out there to end this thing because <laughs> – I don't know, um, man. Just go, I'm looking at Goran Dragic with one eye. Like,
0: what's mm, on with you guys? Ah, crazy shit. I know Sam hates Goran Dragic, so it's a deep, <laughs> a real prick, <laughs> deep patriot there. But like you said, we're going to wrap things up here. Do you
2: want to tell – patriot,
1: a... you said?
0: Huh? you say true patriot?
2: No, I'm true patriot. <laughs> what did um, I say? I thought why you... did you think he was calling Goran Dragic a true patriot? No, I thought he was calling me a patriot. No. Oh. I don't even know oh, what I, I said. See, I see for hating what the Gorn from Slovenia. <laughs> yes,
0: know. yeah, that's, sure. that's what I thought you was saying. I don't even know what I said. Like I can't remember three seconds ago. I just completely lost what. I said. Anyways, uh, we're gonna wrap this up here. Do you want to tell people where to follow you, KJ, and what you got going on and everything like that?
2: Yeah, sure. Follow me at uh, by KJ Doyle on on Twitter. I post the best sports beams in the business. I'm sure Jack and and everything mm-hmm. attest to that. I'm you know pretty pretty uh. Pretty active on there. We're going to try to keep up with the Patriots. You know, I've had some good good Patriots memes in the past, too, especially that beautiful, beautiful situation last year with Antonio Brown. So, so many good memories. Um, some some bad ones for sure, too. But, you know, just uh, as far as what I was able to put out meme-wise, was, was great. So just keep up. I, I post, I'm telling you, the best sports meme <laughs> in the business. I said that in a Zoom call recently. Somebody said they liked it, so I'm going to make my new tagline. And keep up with everything. I also run things over at Guy Lawson Sports, so all the tweets you see there are probably mine. I tweeted out something yesterday about who had the better season as a short guy, little guy. Was it Isaiah Thomas or Calvin Cambridge from the movie Like Mike? Not too many people found that funny. I thought it was funny, but that's okay. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I post better stuff than that, I promise, so go check that out, too.
0: Well, appreciate you coming on, KJ. Can confirm. Sports memes are a one. Go check him out uh, by KJ Doyle. I'm at Bannertown Jack. Follow at Bannertown USA as well. And per usual, Sam, you want to wrap us up here?
1: Yep. You can follow us at Bannertown USA. Follow KJ. KJ, you were a great guest. It was really fun to talk to you. Um, you can follow me at Bannertown Sam. That's our show for today. Bye.